0: And now what does he freely offer to us? Forgiveness and pardon and love supreme. And a perfect record. When we stand before him to give an account. The debt's been paid. And Jesus' perfect righteousness has been given to me. I'm free. Welcome to First and Foremost, a weekly broadcast of First Presbyterian Church in the heart of downtown Greenville. Senior Pastor Richard Gibbons invites you to join us as we study God's Word together and discover what is first and foremost in our lives. And this morning as we continue in this study we're doing in Galatians, this is the third of four sermons that are coming out of Paul's letter to the Galatians. And as I've reminded you the last two weeks, Paul is writing this sermon to counter the false teaching of some who came in who were troubling the Galatians. These early Christians, they had embraced the gospel, they had heard the gospel. Paul came and preached Christ. And they heard it, they got it. They were converted, they were baptized, they became members of the church. But then along came a group of false teachers and the false teachers began to corrupt this gospel message. They distorted it. They perverted it. They reversed it as I shared with you last week. And thus in chapter 1 verse 6, Paul writes, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and turning to another gospel. And that in effect is what was happening Instead of the true gospel, the true gospel, these false teachers came in and they began to distort it. They began to say something like this. They said, now faith in Christ is good and you need to have faith in Christ, but you've got to add to it. In fact, now these were, you've got to get his history in mind here. These were Gentiles now who had now come into the church. They were Gentiles. And so there were these Jewish, and you do realize that Christianity is Jewish, as Edith Chapo wrote a book about that. That our roots are very much Jewish. And those early believers were all Jewish. And they had a hard time moving away from those early Jewish customs. And all of that ceremonial law. And so a major question came up when Gentiles were converted. Did they first of all ceremonially have to become Jews? Did they have to go through all these Jewish uh, rituals and so forth? And so these false teachers had come and they said faith is not enough by itself. You've got to add these things to it. You've got to perform And as Paul writes this letter, Paul is upset. In fact, he's angry. As he writes this letter, what is he angry about? What is he so upset about? He's upset because the very truth of the gospel was at stake. The essence of the Christian faith was at stake here. And the central issue was this doctrine that we call justification by faith alone. The false teachers came and said, well, yes, have faith in Jesus, but now you have to do all these ceremonial things. You have to obey the law. You have to follow all these rules. And once you've done all that, then God will accept you. And Paul said, no, it's Jesus alone. We cannot add one thing, not one thing, to what Christ has already done for us. And so that's the background. Now let's come to chapter 3. And this is the core. The core. This is the core of this chapter. Chapter 3, we're going to look at the first 14 verses. This is God's Word. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Now, you know, he's being a little bit facetious when he says this. I want to learn one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit? Are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing, if it really was for nothing? Does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law? Or because you believe what you heard. Consider Abraham. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary the man who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith We might receive the promise of the Spirit. This is God's Word. Would you pray with me? This morning, O Holy Spirit, you who inspired Paul to write these words, I pray this morning that you would open the eyes of our hearts to understand them. There are some very hard things in this passage, Lord, and as we... Unfold them this morning. I pray that your spirit would move. And I pray that you would show us Jesus in his suffering and what he experienced in our behalf. And show us the beauty of the promise that we've been justified, we've been made right, we've been made holy, not as a result of any effort of our own, but solely on the basis of the work of our Savior. Speak to us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, it's interesting when you begin chapter 3, you can pick up immediately Paul's frustration with these people. Did you, did you notice it? You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Now, that's not a great way to start, right? If you <laughs> preach a sermon, I will walk out, you foolish first Presbyterians, you know, that's sort of what was happening here. I mean, he comes up, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? And then he makes this statement. He says, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Now, what was he saying in these verses? What did he mean by this? He's talking about their conversion experience. These Galatians were not in Jerusalem years before when Jesus was crucified. They were miles away. He wasn't talking about what they saw with their physical eyes He was talking about what they saw with the eyes of their hearts. And he said, when you heard the gospel, your eyes were enlightened. You saw it. And what was it that they saw? Do, Do you see it? What was it that they saw? They saw Christ crucified. Paul had come and he had preached this message of Christ. His life His suffering, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, and they saw it. The eyes of their hearts had been enlightened, and they heard it. But in particular, here he points to one thing, and I want you to look at that verse carefully. The English, you know, translators do the best they can to translate some of the in the New Testament Greek words. But in this case, I don't think they did a very good job of giving us the full impact of how this actually reads. It says, Christ crucified was graphically, that's the word, proigraphe in the Greek, was graphically portrayed before their eyes. Graphically. Portrayed. Now, you you get a feel for this, right? You go to a movie and it's got an R rating, and one of the things you find up there, you find uh, graphic violence. Have you ever seen that? Graphic violence. In a sense, that's what's being said here. They saw the graphic violence of what happened to Jesus, they saw the intense suffering that he experienced. They felt his pain and with the eyes of their hearts they saw the crown upon his head with blood flowing down. They saw the nails piercing his hands and feet and they heard the crying screams from the cross and they saw him suffer. You see the problem with most of us who are in the faith is that we fail to realize the enormity of our sin and what it cost Jesus. We We become so casual with this that we fail to see the reality of his suffering. What happened here was these Galatians heard the gospel. God opened the eyes of their hearts. They were converted. They saw it. They grasped it. It was about Jesus. Jesus crucified. But then these false teachers came along. And these false teachers began to lead them astray and begin to convince them that it was more than Christ crucified. You had to add to it. And so Paul asked a series of questions. After he makes that statement, he said, Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? In other words, was it about performance or was it about faith? Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit? Are you now trying to attain your goal by human efforts? And by the way, that is the religion of the man on the street. That's what the vast majority of people believe. Somehow I have to be moral enough, I have to be good enough, I have to work at it as hard as I can to ever get the acceptance of God. Next week, I'm, I'm going to bring you to the most intensely personal thing that you'll ever see, and that is that God sees us as sons and daughters as beloved children. And he accepts us as we are. Is it performance or is it Faith. So what does he do? To drive the point home, he turns to Scripture. To answer the question, he turns to Scripture. In particular, he turns to Genesis 15. And he quotes it. Consider Abraham. Here's the quote. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are the children of Abraham. and so what he's dealing with here is he is dealing and he draws basic conclusions he draws these basic conclusions first of all verse 7 here it is it is those who are our faith who are the sons of abraham in other words we're saved in the very same way abraham was saved you know there are some people who think in the old testament you had to do all these laws and that's what saved you no 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 it was faith Abraham believed. Second thing he drew out of this was that those of us who are of faith are blessed with Abraham the believer. We are those stars. We are those grains of sand that God promised to Abraham. We are those. And we have been blessed in the same way Abraham was blessed. We have been blessed, and that word becomes a very important word, and Paul's going to play off that word, blessed. You know what blessing means? In the strictest sense, in the biblical sense of the word, it meant acceptance. It meant favor. It meant relationship. We have God's favor. We are in relationship with him. We are accepted by him. That's what that word blessed means. Now hold that thought and follow on. He takes us back to Christ. And then we get to verse 10. All who rely on observing the law are under not a blessing, but what are they under? A curse. Now let me stop there a minute. A curse. Okay, if blessing means favor, acceptance, relationship, curse is the exact opposite. Curse means a loss of favor, a loss of relationship, rejection. And then we come to a verse... That quite frankly, people who do not believe in the inspiration and authority of the Scripture don't know what to do with. And it's verse 13. Look at verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. How? By becoming a curse for us. Can't miss this. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. How? By becoming a curse for us. What does curse mean? Loss of relationship. What does curse mean? Cut off. Now think about this for a minute. What is this saying? It's saying that it, look, here's what it's doing. It is showing us what kind of punishment Jesus bore on the cross. That's what this verse is showing us. What kind of punishment? The hell that Jesus bore on that cross was not in his pierced hands and feet. It was the hole in his heart when his father turned his back on him and cut him off. Now think about this for a minute. We've all had friends, perhaps, a friend who rejected us, who cut us off, and it hurt, right? It's one thing to have a friend cut you off, and reject you. But I'm going to tell you something else. It's another thing to have a father cut you off and reject you. Jesus was in the most perfect, intimate, loving relationship with the Father that any son could possibly have. But he was cut off Why? Because all of our sin, all of our failures, all of that was placed on Him. And at that moment on the cross, Jesus suffered hell. Let me tell you what the essence of hell is. Believe you me, it's not about fire and brimstones. The essence of hell is a total absence from the presence of God. And that's what Jesus suffered on that cross. Do you remember when he was on the cross? Interesting, if you go read this account of him on the cross and you read the gospel right as they explain it, and actually this particular verse of which he quotes Psalm 22 in this verse. You will remember these words. In almost every instant in Scripture, you find Jesus calling God his Father, my Father or our Father. But there's one time he called him God. And it was on the cross. And literally, if you, if you read this literally, it says he, most of your versions say he cried out. Actually, it's a word that was a very, very strong word. It meant screamed. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? See it? At that moment on the cross, Jesus became a curse for you and for me. He bore what we will never have to bear in our place for us. He bore the wrath and punishment of a holy God upon sin. And he bled and he died as our substitute in our place. you do realize that the gospel is offensive. And you do realize that Jesus Christ crucified can become a stumbling block for people. Graphic violence. He became a curse. He who knew no sin became that sin. And as a result of that, he bore the curse. I told Marianne this morning when I was working on this sermon this week, it deeply, deeply moved me. Because I began to see again in my mind's eye the extent of the suffering of Jesus for me. It was all of my selfishness and pride. It was all of my self-righteousness. And Jesus took all of that on himself. And he was crucified. And in my mind's eye, I graphically saw it. And I began to think about him becoming a curse for me. Next week, I'm going to talk about the love of a father for a son. And I know how my daddy loved me. And to ever think that my daddy would turn his back on me. That does happen. And I'm going to give you good news. Even if that happened to you with your earthly father, you have a heavenly father who will never do it because he did it on his own son so that you would never experience it yourself. See it? That's a gospel. This is heavy. Sit in a feel good sermon. Because what this sermon makes us do, it makes us face the enormity of our sin honestly. And the effect of our sin honestly. We put Jesus on that cross. And he became a curse for us. Now, what's the good news? He was raised on the third day. He made another statement from the cross. It is finished. The debt has been paid. And now, what does he freely offer to us forgiveness and pardon and love supreme and a perfect record when we stand before him to give an account the debt's been paid and Jesus' perfect righteousness has been given to me now I'm free see it? I'm going to tell you something I'm convinced that one of the greatest things that most of us who are Christians, and we've been Christians a long time, that we wrestle with with is our own self-righteousness. This shoots that all to pieces. It says your self-righteousness amounts to nothing, that the only thing that matters is Christ and him crucified for you. And when you get it, you see it when you get it we are now free we are free to love him we are free to obey him there's a change in our hearts that take place you see what's at the core here since we have been justified with faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access into this faith in which we stand. Not the labors of my hands can fulfill thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save, and thou alone. Let's pray together. Lord, we are honestly left speechless. I don't even know what to pray here. When we contemplate and see with our eyes, Jesus Christ crucified, graphically portrayed to us. And we come to understand that on the cross he became a curse. How do we even respond to this? But it shows us our sin. And I pray this morning, Lord, as we come before you, that we humble ourselves, that we honestly face up. Because when we hear this, it can't do anything but lead us to brokenness and drive us to your grace, to your open arms where you receive us and hold us and love us. I pray this morning that your spirit would move and that we recognize that it's nothing in my hand I bring. It's simply to thy cross that I claim. Hear our prayers this morning, O God, we pray. For the sake of Jesus, amen. Dr. Gibbon's recent series on the Apostles' Creed is now available as a 12-CD audio set in the Vineyard Bookstore. Cost is $20. Call 864-672-1864 to order.